and welcome to Bite Size Podcast. I am your host, Sandali. We are just over halfway through the month, so I wanted to remind you guys of the giveaway I'm running. All you have to do is rate and review the podcast, send me a screenshot on Instagram at bitesize.podcast. You'll be entered to win a gift card for the coffee shop of your choice. It would also mean the world to me if you shared Bite Size Podcast with a friend. That is how we're gonna get the word out, word of mouth. Now for today's episode, we're diving into a topic that I'm sure many of you are happy to see on the docket. Yes, we're talking about it, the thing that's probably the most discussed, morning sickness. I'm not sure why I sound so happy to be discussing vomit, but here we are. In this podcast, I also interview a very special guest, my first one on Bite Size Podcast, so let me know what you think of that. You can always DM me or write it in your review. As a reminder, a couple weeks ago, I shared an extensive list of essential nutrients during your first trimester. Be sure to listen to that one, and no, I'm not trying to make you nauseous. I'm sure you're surviving on your noodles and toast, but if you wanna do better than that, today's episode is gonna help you. Without much further ado, let's dig in. Morning sickness can affect up to 80% of women, can begin as early as four weeks, lasting almost until 16 weeks. About 9% of women do experience morning sickness until about 20 weeks, and some unlucky few experience it throughout their pregnancy. Let's get one thing straight. How morning sickness got the name morning sickness, I'm really not sure because that feeling can last all day long and hit at any point. Your first step to combat nausea is identifying your triggers. Now these can change at a moment's notice without any warning. My suggestion would be to start keeping a journal, whether that's a physical journal or just a note on your phone. Notice when it's hitting. Is it a specific time of day? Is it a specific food? Is it a specific scent? It could be any of these. It's common that strong scents like garlic, chicken, onion, and eggs can be very common during this first trimester. It's also usually caused by hot foods more so than cold foods. Cologne and body scents can also be triggers, so if you're all of a sudden repulsed by your partner, it might not be them. It might be their new body wash. Once you identify what they are, obviously you can try and avoid these to help with the nausea. Some other triggers to consider are feelings of fullness. Are you too hungry when you go to eat, or do you eat too much that you're too full? Notice what time of day it occurs. Is it your prenatal vitamin? Be sure to split up the dose and take with food to help this. Are your meals balanced? Last month, we talked about consuming a balanced meal. If you missed it, be sure to check that episode so that you can double check that you are eating all of the things to help you combat your nausea. There's also a free download available on my website that will be linked in the show notes to help you grocery shop and ensure you're eating those balanced meals. Aside from balancing meals, how else can we support nausea and morning sickness? The miracle we always talk about, hydration, water. I swear everyone and their mom always asks, have you had some water? Anytime you have the smallest ailment, that is the number one question. That's because water truly is a miracle. While water can be nausea-inducing, as can anything when you're experiencing morning sickness, try drinking smaller amounts of it. You might also want to drink the water between meals rather than at meals or directly after. If this is still tricky for you, I've got some other hydration tips. Freeze coconut water into ice cubes. Pretend you're on a short tropical vacation anytime you have one of these. Now, I'm still acquiring a taste for coconut water myself. I found a brand I liked the other day through those Costco samples that get ya, and unfortunately, when I checked the label, it was full of sugar. 
So be sure whatever coconut water you choose that you're checking the labels to avoid this added sugar as a spike in blood sugar is definitely not what we want either. The less ingredients, the better. Aim for purely water and coconut. Electrolytes are wonderful for hydrating the body. Coconut water is one of them, but there are other ways to get your electrolytes too. You can try adding lemon or lime juice to your water, or there are some packs you can buy as well. As you know, I am a needed partner and they have this wonderful hydration supplement that you can purchase from their website. You can choose between a variety pack or a single flavor, but the flavors are grapefruit, lemon, and lime. If these all sound delicious to you, try the variety pack and use my code BITESIZED for 20% off. Bone broth is another amazing way to nourish the body. Whether you make it at home yourself or purchase it from a health food store, bone broth has so many incredible nutrients and is hydrating on top of it. Since it is a liquid, it's often easier to digest than food and it can calm the stomach. Next, snacks. Everyone's favorite word. I'm sorry if you've got a toddler in the room. I think the most common thing associated with nausea is ginger ale and crackers. Now ideally, that's not the kind of snacks I mean. We want to try and keep blood sugar stable. As I mentioned with the coconut water and watching for the added sugar, we want to avoid this as a spike in our blood sugar can actually worsen our symptoms. The snacks we want to consume are high in protein and fat. Don't go too long throughout the day without eating and opt for snacks like peanut butter, avocado, canned salmon, pumpkin seeds, chia seeds, chia pudding, protein balls, anything like that. Cravings for refined carbs such as noodles and toast can also cause a spike in our blood sugar. So while I still want you to eat whatever you can, if you can avoid these and opt for the aforementioned snacks, that would be ideal. If you are craving carbs, try for whole carbs like root vegetables and squashes. Some women have also reported that upon waking when blood sugar is really low, when getting out of bed, that is when nausea is worst. Keep some nuts or another healthy snack on your bedside table so that you can get a little something in your body before waking up. Hide these from your partner if necessary because they do not need the midnight snacks. You need the morning snacks. Now let's talk about some supplements that might help. Vitamin B6 has been known to help ease nausea during pregnancy. If you're on the needed prenatal, this already contains some B6, but feel free to supplement with that. The maximum amount of B6 that we're trying to consume is 100 milligrams, so try to split this up throughout the day, whether that's 25 milligrams at each meal or snack, or with your prenatal and then later on in the day. When looking for a B6 supplement, we wanna look for the active form of B6. It would be labeled as pyridoxal 5-phosphate. This would be preferred over pyridoxine, which would be the synthetic form. Another supplement to consider is ginger. Personally, I don't love ginger, but if I was feeling nauseous throughout my first trimester, I would try anything. You can choose from many forms of ginger, whether it's ginger tea, ginger crystals, be careful of the blood sugar. You could also grate ginger over your food, use it as a herb, whatever you prefer. Not ginger ale, do not do the ginger ale, too much sugar. You can have about a thousand milligrams of ginger throughout the day, trying to divide it up into about four doses. Our last supplement is magnesium. You would have heard a little bit about this during our first trimester essential nutrients episode, but here it is again. Magnesium is sometimes suggested as a sleep aid, but the reason for this is because it helps to relax the muscles. Your gag reflex is a muscle, so helping to relax it might help with the nausea. Magnesium also plays a role in balancing blood sugar as it helps to stabilize unstable blood sugar. Some other remedies to try are essential oils such as lemon, acupressure, or acupuncture. 
I recently met Madison at Mod Clinic here in Calgary, so if you're looking for some acupuncture, whether you are pregnant or not, be sure to check her out. She's also our special guest for today's episode, so please welcome Madison. Welcome Madison, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, this is so exciting. I'm so glad. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into acupuncture. Yeah, so I started getting acupuncture when I was a teenager. Um, my stepmom had some health issues that she really benefited, like that were really benefited by getting acupuncture. So at a young age, she like she discovered this, and then she got my dad going. And when my dad loved it, he just like really benefited from like the sort of stress relief aspect of it, and then. Yeah, we were just fortunate enough to like have like two like my two of my parents who were super stoked on it. So then I have, you know, four sisters and my dad just like got an account at the acupuncture clinic and he was like, All right, everyone goes every week. So he'd like drive us there when we were young and then once I had my license, I just would like show up every week and get my needles. So um, yeah, and then we became like pretty close with our acupuncturist. Uh, he became like a family friend and a really like strong mentor and like kind of second father figure for me in my life. And when I was deciding what I wanted to do when I grew up or whatever in high school and health class, I just was like, I think I want to do acupuncture. I've always really liked the idea of helping people. Um, and I thought about being a doctor or a nurse or something like that. And then Chinese medicine just really spoke to my heart and it was just kind of a strong yes, you know, at 15. So here we are 15 years later. <laughs> I I love that your family really took a holistic approach to some of the things we experience in everyday life. And I love that you found something you enjoy so early in life. Um, tell us a little bit if the people are unaware of what acupuncture is. Can you explain it a little bit? And I feel like what most people know is that it involves needles. So does it hurt? I mean, there is like this kind of like large umbrella of acupuncture and like needling. Um, so there's like a few different versions of, of needling depending on where you go and, and what you're doing it for. Like if you're going to go for like an injury your hip for example to your physiotherapist they're going to do like a dry needling or a trigger point needling and that's like going to be using larger needles it's more of an aggressive needling style and you know I also do that so that I wouldn't say it like shouldn't hurt like pain is relative I guess it depends on your tolerance in the person it's more of like an achy sensation kind of similar to a deep tissue massage um, and then the classic acupuncture, which is like what you would get for, you know, things like morning sickness or fertility acupuncture, it's like very, very tiny needles. Um, and they're, they're relatively like painless. Like you barely even feel them. They're about the size of a dog's whisker. Like you, they're so thin and they go in so fast. The method that we use breaks the skin surface really fast, which is like where all your like sensory nerves would be. So when you just, once you're, once it's in, then yeah, then you don't feel it, but you shouldn't feel that prick sensation. The few times I've had acupuncture, I feel like it's so odd to say, but it was so relaxing. <laughs> and I had all these needles in my face and I was like, I could have a nap right now. <laughs> so totally a weird thing to think about. But 
yeah, definitely from my personal experience, I haven't felt any pain. So that's great. It's like really ironic getting needles stuck in you actually has like such a positive effect on your nervous system. It like switches you into parasympathetic mode and then it your body releases all these endorphins and like happy hormones and it's just funny to me. It's like it seems like that shouldn't happen when you get needles stuck in you, but that that's how your body responds. It's really rad. Totally. I think that's such a cool thing that our bodies do. Um, you brought up a great point that acupuncture can help with morning sickness. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that and what someone is, who's like unfamiliar with acupuncture and wanting acupuncture to help with the morning sickness, I'm sure they want to know if it's safe. For sure. 100%. That's like a really common question that I think people have and that I get. A lot of my patients who I treat for morning sickness, I've already been treating them for fertility acupuncture and then they get pregnant and you know, actually part of my protocol is to treat weekly during the first trimester. So up until 12 weeks, just because for a lot of them too, it can be like a really stressful time. There's like, it's exciting, but it's like, there's worry for sure. And then, you know, there's like the symptoms that you get where you don't feel very good. So I just like to treat everyone every week in their first trimester because it's super good for your nervous system and therefore it's good for your baby too. So um, if you're going to someone who has a specialization in, you know, fertility, pregnancy, perinatal, women's health, acupuncture, it should be in their bio. Like most people who have taken lots of extra courses in this kind of thing, they'll advertise that in their bio. So I would just, when you're looking for an acupuncturist, I would look for someone who mentions that or mentions that they are a member of um, ABOR, which is A-B-O-R-M. So it's the it's the Acupuncture and TCM Board of Reproductive Medicine. So that's an, it's another certification that acupuncturists can get once they have, you know, you have to practice for two years after you graduate and then you can do this whole process of getting this extra certification. But you're pretty much guaranteed to get like a really great acupuncturist in regards to women's health concerns if if they have ABORM in their, in their bio. So I'd look for that. And and in that, it, in, that, in that case, it's like 100% safe. It's really good for you. And most acupuncturists and like physiotherapists, people who do needling, who don't know enough about pregnancy and the safety of it, they'll just say, I can't treat you. And that's just like, that. that's fine. You know, like if you're not comfortable with it, there are certain points that are contraindicated in pregnancy. And, you know, when you work with it every day and you've studied it, you know what to do, what not to do. But if you don't know, then they'll often just refer out or just say, sorry, I can't treat you. That's awesome. That's so good to know. I feel like that will probably put a lot of people at ease and a no is probably better than being like, well, I could try. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, they always say like in every course that I've taken, even in like sports medicine, if you don't know what you're doing or you don't know where your needle is or you don't feel comfortable, just get out of there. You know, like just refer out. That's just the most ethical way to handle it. But pretty much guaranteed if, if they have their ABORM, they'll know what to do. Tell us what an appointment might look like. Tell us like what can someone expect? What are they walking into? Yeah. So, I mean, it's different with a few, like depending on where you go, what clinic you go to, every acupuncturist, we all kind of like have our own version of how we like to create comfort for our patients. A lot of my patients are busy working women and they don't like it's not convenient for them to have to bring a change of clothes or something like that. So just show up how how you are, like after work or before work or if you're working from home in your sweatpants. I don't care. There's like 
no expectations as to like what you're wearing or what you look like. Don't even worry about shaving your legs. I get that a lot too. I'm like, I do not care. It's winter time. You are going to mostly like most likely have to take, you know, your pants off. But I have like a full set of sheets similar to a massage that you can cover yourself in so that you're comfortable um, and covered up. I often need access to like legs, kind of abdomen area and arms. Um, yeah, so you can just show up and we just chat. We take you into the room. We talk about, you know, for your first appointment, it's a longer chat. We just kind of get to know what you want your acupuncture for and, and how I can help. And then, yeah, the needling, you just lay down. The table is usually heated. You get a little heat lamp on your toes so they don't get cold because you often have to take your socks off. <laughs> And then there's like relaxing music. I put the needles in and then you just lay there for like 20 minutes and listen to the music, have a nap, and then you're done. I love that. It sounds super relaxing. <laughs> it is. It's really relaxing. Sometimes I'm like, is it just like the fact that these people get to lay here for 20 minutes and have a power nap? Is that, I think that's healing in itself, you know? Just that little self-care moment, especially when you're pregnant and growing a human. <laughs> totally. Like when else do you just, sit still for 20 minutes, you know, in the day. So you mentioned you like to treat weekly, especially in the first trimester. Is that how frequently you would recommend someone go for acupuncture to treat morning sickness or can it vary? Yeah, it, it can definitely vary. It's like based off of severity. So a lot of my super mild cases, you know, where you're waking up, you kind of have that like hangover feeling all day. You're just, you're not necessarily vomiting, but you just kind of feel low appetite, slightly unwell, some like oftentimes they'll be like, you know, sensitive to certain foods and stuff like that. That's fine. You can come weekly. We can manage it that way. I can give you some pressure points to do on yourself when you're home. And then, you know, if it's more severe, like, you know, if you are vomiting in the mornings or, you know, usually it's actually afternoons. It depends on the case. But I like to see my patients a little bit like more often just during that time when it's the worst. Because acupuncture for morning sickness, it's yeah, it's just like a really gentle method to treat anything, acupuncture, you know, in general. So the effects are also gentle. And so it they'll wear off, you know, in a few days. Usually my patients who are at a more severe case of morning sickness need to come in every five days or so, sometimes more frequently. But then if you're bordering, you know, hyperemesis, then I could probably help you. But you also need to go get some fluid in the hospital and maybe like take medication like Declectin or something like that, you know. I feel very, very strong for those women who do experience that because honestly, I can't imagine. I hate just the feeling of nausea in general. So to feel it constantly and to be like throwing up throughout the day is just, man, it really takes a toll on everything. Acupuncture, I kind of, I would say like the best candidates are where it's like pretty mild, you know, tolerable, maybe vomiting once, maybe twice a day, that kind of thing. But I definitely... I don't like to advertise that acupuncture can fix hyperemesis. You know, there's certain things where, you know, you just have to go the medical route. Yeah, 100%. Can you explain a little bit about how the acupuncture actually helps the morning sickness? Okay, so I know I kind of mentioned this to you before we started the podcast. So there's like, A, uh, morning sickness isn't like totally understood. Like if you try to like Google, why does morning sickness happen to some people and not to others? There's lots of like old wives tales. Um, but like the actual science and like what causes it, we're not really sure. 
there's not a, a ton of research on how ac- the mechanism of, of how or the pharmacokinetics of how acupuncture fixes it. So a lot of being a member of ABORM and just my style of practice, I love to be evidence-based. And when I'm explaining things to people and like when I'm using certain points, you know, I, I love research. But with morning sickness, there really isn't a lot. So, I mean, Chinese medicine has, you know, thousands of years of of trial and error and their own version of science. So I do trust that as a practitioner of, of Chinese medicine. And first of all, acupuncture kind of explains that the body has these like lines of energy that flow, you know, in certain directions. And they these these energy lines flow through your fascia, which is your connective tissue. So connective tissue actually surrounds like your skeletal muscle on your on the outside of your body. Um, between your skin and your muscle, but it also is what is like it's inside of your body and it separates your organs from each other and stuff. So that's how you can like needle someone's hand and through the fascial line of energy, it can connect like to an internal organ. Fascia is actually like conductive slightly. So if chi is like a bioelectricity, that's the energy QI that, that we use for we effect with acupuncture. When we look at these meridians, they're supposed to flow in certain directions. Certain meridians or energy lines flow in certain directions. And you have two of your energy lines that flow through your stomach. So with the stomach meridian and the liver meridian involved in digestion and, and in like stomach stuff, uh, they flow through the uterus as well and the ovaries. They go like right, the line goes kind of right through that area of your body as well. Like, for example, if you hurt your arm, those energy lines would be like stagnated wherever that injury was. It's like a new pathway that so we get in there with needles and we like heal the area and get the chi flowing through and then and then you you adjust and you heal. So when you become pregnant in the early stages, it's like a it's a foreign body in the uterus that's affecting the flow of the liver and the stomach meridians. It's like it's a new it's in the way. It's like blocking the chi flow that's supposed to be flowing downwards yeah in pregnancy all your organs shift and you grow a whole new organ so that totally makes sense that all throughout there it's like moving about and that affects those lines yeah totally so it would like move the fascia too right like as it grows it grows a ton in the first trimester right you know that it stretches like crazy which is like a lot of my patients get like cramps and then they get all worried i'm like it's okay it's normal to have cramps your uterus is growing so fast you're going to have chi stagnation because we have stress in our lives and our diets aren't perfect and we don't exercise like we should and we don't meditate every day. And so a lot of us have like stagnation already in these meridians. So if you had that pre-pregnancy and then you have this foreign body that grows in your uterus really quickly, it's just going to be like worsened by that new thing. And then instead of the chi flowing down like it should, it flows back up. And so it's called rebellious chi. So it's like backwards flow of chi. Depending on the meridian, it can cause like different things, you know, like headaches are caused by rebellious chi. It just depends on the channel. Our bodies are also really resilient and we can adjust to things. We can adjust to new chi meridians that we need to. So by the time you get out of your first trimester, your body's like, okay, I get it. This thing's here. We just go around. We can we can move this chi. It's fine. You know, we adjust. And that's also like often why 
a lot of my patients like suffer from constipation in their first trimester too because it's like your stomach meridian chi needs to descend for you to have a normal bowel movement. But instead, it's like going up and you're throwing up and you're feeling nauseous. You know, when it comes to any sort of pregnancy condition, even morning sickness, it's good to sort of like take a holistic approach and, you know, how can you treat it in many ways? And even if you don't fully understand how it's helping you, but it does help you, at the end of the day, you're probably just thankful to not be nauseous anymore. I hear this a lot too. Like once you're pregnant, you really, you don't want to put things in your body you know, like a lot of my kids, they don't want to take Advil unnecessarily even, you know, like they, so acupuncture is just like a really safe and like nice, it's a nice, gentle, like non-medical way to treat things. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell us where we can find you, whether in person or online. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I work at Mod Medical in Bridgeland. Uh, it's a vaginal and pelvic health clinic. There are doctors there and the pelvic floor physio and myself. There, I have a website, acupuncturewithmadison.com or Instagram. Same thing, acupuncturewithmadison is my handle. And I also work at a clinic in West Hillhurst called Maximum Health and Wellness. And then I have online booking for both of those on the website and on my Instagram too. Well, thank you again so much, Madison, for being my first guest ever on Bite Sized. It's crazy to say, and it happened so much sooner than anticipated. So I'm really glad that we crossed paths and I'm so glad and excited for all the listeners to hear your wonderful words. Yeah, I'm so excited to be your first guest. I'm honored. That's so awesome. <laughs> now, most importantly, I understand that dealing with nausea day after day can leave you feeling unmotivated, very unproductive, sleepy, unable to enjoy the things that you usually do. And I totally get that. Just know that it really doesn't last forever. I really hope it doesn't last for you throughout your whole pregnancy. But the good news is, on the bright side, the silver lining, oftentimes those who experience morning sickness have a much lower rate of miscarriage. Now lastly, I want to talk about hyperemesis gravidarum, which can affect about 2% of women. Those with severe persistent nausea and vomiting can actually experience malnourishment, which can lead to weight loss, dehydration, and an overall not good time. If this is you, you should definitely seek medical attention to assist with this. I also want to encourage you that there is nothing as too much help throughout your daily tasks. Cooking, cleaning, and childcare can all be handed off to your wonderful partner, to a supportive family member or friend. If you are experiencing hyperemesis, vitamin B6 can certainly still help you. Please do talk to your healthcare professional about this and ensure that you are taking the preferred form. That is all for today's episode. I hope this helps you and that you're keeping your head out of the toilet bowl. Again, it does not last forever. I know it's such a horrible feeling. It's definitely one of my least favorite feelings in the world to be nauseous. So I empathize with you and I hope that you can implement some of these tips to help you get through that first trimester. If someone in your life is experiencing morning sickness right now, send this episode to them. Maybe they find a tip that helps them and they'll have you to thank for that. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget to enter our giveaway. And if no one has told you today, you look radishing. Bye. Although I am a certified holistic nutrition consultant, I am not your consultant. The information herein is purely for entertainment and educational purposes only and does not always apply to your specific needs. 
While I strive to provide you the most up-to-date information about nutrition, this is not a substitute for professional and medical advice, and you should definitely speak to your personal healthcare practitioner for advice tailored to you.